05 and 06 I deployed to Kuwait I used to wait every day for them to say Nature going home I miss my life, miss my wife For 15 months she was all alone But when I got back I felt out of control Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold I keep on drinking so I'm sinking in a river of liquor Me and my wife weren't alright, I didn't reconnect with it I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be so I invested in myself I started seeing coaches Life is a camera, I fixed the lens and now I see in focus Now my life's unrecognizable From my life just a couple years ago 17 plus years of marriage, it's never been better than this and we got three kids, that's who I do it for I'm called to be a leader I'ma lead the way, cause I'm a firm believer We can do anything we want If I said it, then I meant it I probably already did it Consider it done Consider it done If you need some inspiration, you should play this Championship Leadership Podcast Hey Bailey Championship Championship Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Championship Leadership Podcast. We got Ed Brenegar here from uh, North Wilkesboro, North Carolina currently. So thanks for being here, Ed. I appreciate it. And thank you for having me. Absolutely. So before we dive too much into you and, and share a little bit about your story and, and kind of your background and what you're up to today, I'd like to ask all my guests, what championship leadership is the name of the podcast? What comes to mind for you when you hear championship leadership? Well, I think, um, let me make it a, a couple of distinctions there. So if you're the head of a business, you're the owner, or you're the managing director, or you're the president of the CEO, when I think of championship leadership, I'm thinking of how that person champions the leadership of their people. And that's a principle or a core value of my approach to leadership. And I'll just give you the definition and, and that'll probably make some sense. So I, I see that all leadership begins with personal initiative to create impact that makes a difference that matters. And so if the leader of the company, the person is in the role of the leader, champions that kind of leadership, then all, all his or her people are going to be also championing leadership that is the leadership of impact in, through their work and through their company. The other side of that is the people who are, are you know, just are, are average people who are also making a difference in the world. And we should be championing them and recognizing them for the contributions they're making to our communities. Yeah, I love that. You know, it's been doing this for almost four years now and close to 300 guests. And each time I get a much different answer. So I love to uh, hear the different ways that people kind of define and what championship leadership is to them. So that's very powerful, very unique answer than some of the others that I've gotten. Well, a lot of it comes from me not being very oriented around adjectives of descriptive words and rather oriented around action. Mm -hmm. and so we're going to champion something rather than simply identify someone. Yeah, champion. right. So that's kind of the way I look at things. Why don't you, um, for the listeners that aren't familiar with you and who you are, kind of give us a little background on your path, your journey, and how that's taken you to where you are today and what it is that you're up to today. Well, my journey into the world of leadership began as a Presbyterian minister. I was a, an associate minister of a large church in Atlanta doing community ministry. So I had my parish was the people outside the church on the streets of Atlanta 
you know, alcoholics, homeless people, poor families, people, you know, a wide spectrum of people, business people. Mm-hmm. And I was um, asked to become the clergy rep to a, a local business association. And I joined and I saw something I had never seen before. You know, I was used to working in businesses and in churches and nonprofit groups. And always there was the whole leadership thing was about one person being the leader and everybody else being the follower. But in this group, there was a 45 member board and it was not like that. They were all contributing, all of them, all the time. And there was no one person kind of dominating the group. And I said, oh, so this is what leadership is. And, And I knew then that at that point in time, that would be that was going to be my calling is to address leadership. And so immediately I jumped into studying it. I, I took some seminars and almost immediately I became, um, shall we say, uh, in opposition to the not the normal way that we were thinking about leadership, which is that it is this role that is in an organization. So we we say that person is the leader and everybody else follows. Well, and it really disturbed me because I was reading these biographies of of great leaders, of business people, of politicians, of military people. And these stories were always about that person being the leader who accomplishes so much. And I realized that that's not the way the world works. It's actually a very much a team sport, shall we say, and that everyone is contributing when that leader at the top of the hierarchy is being recognized. A lot of people have contributed to that person being recognized for that. And so it began a journey where I tried to understand, well, what is this different way of looking at leadership than what we normally get from the marketing of leadership personalities? Let's call it that way. And basically, I came to the realization that all leadership begins with personal initiative, that it's something that anybody can do. And it's not something that you have to um, earn a credential for. All you have to do is decide, I'm going to go do something that causes a beneficial change for somebody or some group or my community or something like that. And so that began this process where I spent another few years in pastoring a church, and then I moved into higher education for a while. And then in the mid-90s, I started my own consulting practice. And out of that emerged a, a model of leadership that I call the circle of impact. And it's built around three dimensions of ideas, relationships, and structure. And the idea is to align those three within your organization. And alignment is really like problem solving. And and that emerged about 20 years ago. And I spent probably 15 years testing it and working it through all my consulting contracts and uh, clients. And then about five years ago, I began the process of writing a book about this. And and that was published in 2018. And the name of the book again? It is called Circle of Impact, Taking Personal Initiative to Ignite Change. And if you're uh, watching this, obviously you can see that. But if you're not, yeah, we'll get that linked up for those folks. In the show. Yeah, you can, so you can find it on Amazon. Amazon? Okay. Yeah. Well, I appreciate you sharing that. And yeah, quite the journey that you've been on. And you know, it's always one of those things when you hear of people uh, like yourself that do what you do now, which is a lot of consulting with businesses and companies. It's like, man, how did they ever get there, right? Like, it's, it's fun to hear the story in the, in the background. The interesting thing is that in 1995, when I started this business, I'd never run a business and I'd never been a consultant. Mm-hmm. I really was starting from scratch. And I wouldn't recommend that to anyone. I would say that they need, need, some, need some experience before doing that. But what I did know how to do was talk to people. 
Well, you had plenty um, of experience before that, though, right? And what you did. I mean, yeah, but you know, there's a difference. I mean, we were talking earlier about the difference between running a business and leading a business. Mm-hmm. I think I knew how to lead a business. I didn't know how to run a business. Sure. And so I had to learn how to do that. And I'm yeah. still learning how to do that. You're always learning. We're always learning, right? Yeah. Well, let's talk a little bit about who are some of the championship leaders that have impacted your life, you know, and always more so what are some of the characteristics that really stand out? Some of these leaders, mentors, coaches that have have played a part in your life. I grew up in the, um, I grew up in North Carolina in South in the 1960s, and I was in a segregated school system. So I went to an all white school all the way through my senior year of high school. My senior year of high school, we had a new football coach come in to coach us. I was on the football team and he was a, a black man who was uh, from the area. So he was known, but he had also played professional football in Canada. And, and so he's a big guy and he came in to take over, you know, an all white boys football team in an all white school that had some other African-American teachers and one African-American coach. But what we witnessed from him was how does a person who operates in a in a position of great stress and great under the kind of the observation of everybody waiting for him to make a bad move or wrong move so they can sit in judgment and, and really allow their own inherent racism to come out in in what they might say. Mm-hmm. And so I mean we as football players we saw this happening. And what we saw was this man never lower himself to the level of the people who were trying to hurt him and hurt the team as a result. So what I would call that is that he knew how to operate with a level of dignity and honor towards people. And that had a huge effect upon me because I realized that if you're going to work in a world where you have a lot of different people that's coming to you, you have to learn how to relate to them and not simply require them to relate to you. And so learning how to treat people with dignity and respect, to treat them with honor, was probably the most significant change that I went through as a young person in my life. And it got reinforced years later, probably 10 years later. Yeah, it was about 10 years later, actually 10 years later, when after going to seminary, I went to Pakistan for a summer where I was a refugee, a volunteer refugee worker. And one of the days we were out there, out there in the desert, and we come across a, a group of refugees, and they're in bad shape. They need clothing, and they need some new tents, they need food. And so we provide that for them. And, it, and at the end of the day, we're getting ready to leave. This, this man comes up to me, this Afghan man, probably only about five foot tall, it's very, very short. And he comes up to me, and he grabs my hands, put his hands over my hands, and he shakes them. And then he reaches up and strokes my beard. I had a beard at that time. I'm, I'm just a young guy. I don't know what's I don't know what's going on other than he's he's thanking me. And later that evening, our host told me that what he did was he expressed honor that the way that one Afghan man expresses honor to another Afghan man. So he he included me into his circle of men in mm-hmm. his Afghan tribe, and that was the also the first time I'd ever felt a significant sense of being thank for something that I had done. And that became another one of those themes in my life that has carried on ever since. So dignity and respect and honor and gratitude, those become the things that kind of came hallmarks for me in how I, I treat people and how I work. Yeah. Wow. 
that's uh very cool stories i can't quit thinking about remember the titans when you tell me about uh your story in in high school it's, it's exactly the same story exactly the same story yeah. i love that movie yeah. yeah okay yeah powerful movie i love it too what's uh what's the vision for you you know i think again kind of i talk football right bill belichick nick saban i think championship leaders continue to to be able to raised to the highest levels uh, competing mm-hmm. against the best in the world. And I think a big part of that is a vision that they have that some others may not and, and encouraged to take action on it. So what's the vision for you, maybe even short-term next five years and impact that you're looking to make from that? One of the things that I discovered while I was developing my leadership model and writing the book and all that was a, was a thought that I called the two global forces. And this is what has become a way of talking about these two things that I see happening all along. And if we were to take the Canadian convoy protest movement thing and, mm-hmm. uh, and talk about that, we could see these two things. So there's two global forces. There's the global force of centralized institutions yeah. of finance and governments. And then there's the global force of decentralized networks of relationships. So the convoy was a decentralized network of relationships between truckers and other people who supported them. And we watched them move into all these cities across Canada and very peacefully make their statement about their concerns about Canada and their government and their their world. On the other side, we, we see the government of Canada, which is a highly centralized institution, treat them in a different way than that they were used to. And, um, you know, when they implemented the emergency measures, that, that would be a typical act that a highly centralized governmental institution might do. So, so those two things are operating all at all the time. And I think that how do we who are are average people who may not be functioning in the, in government circles and that sort of thing, but we're just average people. We have businesses in our local communities. What do we do about that? What's our choice? And I think it's, it's not to focus on the governmental thing. It's not to focus on the global thing. It's actually to focus on our local communities and build those networks where we try to help people who are in need, who don't really have anybody to turn to. One of the places I do work is in Africa. And last year, I started a little, a little project called the, the Global Impact Network. And it was simply to identify people, wherever they may be, who need to establish a network for their own work. Uh, one, of, one of the guys that I know in Uganda, he had a situation where he was needing to feed his people in his community, and he was having difficulty. And so I said, well, are other people having the same problem? Let's gather them together into a network, and let's begin to talk about ways that we can solve this. So it's simply a way of getting people to start talking to each other, join together. They discover that they have some common values, they have some common needs, they have a common purpose and common goals. And so for me, what I see for my own vision of what I'm doing is really supporting people to establish these networks and to train them in leadership that rises up from, from the grassroots of their community. So I, I see that whatever's happening is making difficulty. I mean, you, you look at the big cities in our country and you see them having a difficult time uh, maintaining the quality of life that they, let's just put it that way. Well, you can sit back and say, well, we can moan and, about, and gripe about that. Or we could say, well, let's do something about this Maybe we can't deal with the, the government. We can't deal with city government, the county government, the state government, but we can deal with ourselves. And we can try to put projects together that help people. So one of these guys in Africa reached out to me and says, can you help us? We have a group of people that want to, do a, to build a community center 
particularly to focus on people who have HIV and AIDS. I said, sure, we can do that. What do you want? You know, what are you thinking? And so all I'm doing is I'm listening to them, responding to them and helping them come together as a team, as a group who now can go and solve this one problem they have. And once they have solved that one problem that they have, they can do another one, then another one and another one. So I really see that the future is being built from the ground up. It's not being built from the top down. It's being built from the ground up. And then we just need to um, recognize that we need to be in relationship with one another and we need to work together to solve the problems that we're all finding or affecting. Mm-hmm. Yeah. How did you end up? I know you've mentioned this a few times uh, doing work in Africa. Where did that come from? Came totally out of the blue. I, I had dinner with a friend that I had gone to college with and who I hadn't seen in 45 years. And she's involved in a, in a, a global organization supporting national groups that deal with orphans. And so she said, why don't you come to our, our global forum in Thailand in six weeks? So I went to Thailand to the, to the global forum on the, for a world without orphans. And, and I was standing in the, um, the lobby of the hotel the day that the program started. This group of Africans walked through the door and they come right to me and they surround me and they welcome me into their fellowship. And four of those guys became really and I began to really talk a lot. And so by the time we left four days later, it was clear that I was going to go into Africa. And six weeks later, I was in, I was in Kenya for two weeks. And then I came home. And six weeks after that, I went back to, to Africa for five weeks, February of 2020. And I was in Kenya and Uganda and Benin doing leadership training. And it was a remarkable experience. And then came home and a week later, the pandemic hit. and We were in lockdown. Gotcha. So that's how it happened. Yeah, thank you for sharing that. That's it's just interesting. Uh, yeah, from Thailand to Africa, wouldn't have seen that came coming either. So, I didn't either. Isn't it funny how that works? Uh, sometimes. Well, it, I think it comes from being open to whatever is before you. That you address what's before you. I mean, I think this is a leadership principle. You address that which is before you. You seek to create impact in that moment, and then it will lead to the next thing that comes your way. And over time, you're going to see shall we say, a, a set of relationships form that become really strong. And But you also see what I would call a legacy of impact forming where you become defined by these things that you have, have done merely by taking the next step, taking the initiative to um, make something happen. Yeah, right. Let's shift gears here just a little bit. And what is, um, you know, what's kind of a critical moment in your life where obviously you made the decision that you did, which has you where you are today, but had you chose differently. You could be in a very different place in your life. I think talking about the pandemic and all the changes we've been through, there's a lot of people in those moments and it's always powerful to, to hear from other stories and how they navigated certain times of their life. So is there a, a time in your kind of that fork in the road for you where um, had you chosen differently, you could be in a very different place that you could share? Probably the there are probably a number of those points in time where I made yeah. significant changes in direction. I would say that I spent about 35 years focused on leadership. Some the that time when I joined this board in in Atlanta, which was the winter of 1984, until late summer 2019, and I had a sense that this chapter of my life was over. 
this chapter of developing a leadership model, this chapter of writing the book, all of that was over and something new was coming. And a month later, I had this dinner with this friend. Six weeks later, I was in Thailand. Six weeks later, I was in Africa. And the shift was, okay, I'm not going to be creating a leadership model. I'm going to be doing training. I'm going to train people to be leaders and I'm going to train people to train people to be leaders. And that's where my life was going. So, and then I think the principle there, and this, this is the principle that I've followed a lot over the course of my life, is that you have to be willing to give up that which you have created in order to move into the next phase where you get to create something new. And I think there's a lot of people that, so they reach, they begin and they have real success in their 20s and 30s and, and through their 40s and they hit, hit 50 and then all of a sudden they realize that that's done, but they don't want to be done because they, they want to kind of coast into retirement, you know, 15 years later. And I think in today's time, I think that that's, a, that's not a path where we're going to find ourselves feeling very fulfilled and successful. We won't see our potential being fulfilled at all, that instead we, we should look at how far am I going to into the future? Am I going to live? And what is it that I want to, at, at that point in time, say I have uh, accomplished? I was having this conversation with a gentleman last weekend, and, and he's 60, and he may have some, some health issues. And, and so we're trying to, I'm trying to help him find the people that can help him do, take care of his health. I said, so would you be happy if you lived to 80? And he said, yes, I'd be happy. I said, okay, let's talk about what you're going to do over the next 20 years to get to 80, both health-wise, but also what you're going to accomplish by the things that you do. Because when you put your focus on to, to create things and create impact and that sort of thing, you're going to find your life much more fulfilled. and You're going to find your life to be much, much more healthy than kind of waiting for the end to come. And so I think that's a part of that I see is this shift that we, one of my principles is that we're all in transition, all of us, all the time. Yeah. And this transition sometimes is very small. You know, it may just be moving from one town to the next or moving into a new house or something, or it could be, it could be huge, like changing careers or retirement, or, you know, you find yourself, you know, going to Africa and, and spending, you know, weeks training people to do leadership. You know, it's um, so this transitional thing, I think, is is more the the thing that we have to kind of grasp hold of. And many people really have a resistance to that. But I think it's to their detriment and to their have a stronger sense of, of who they are and what they have to contr- contribute to the world. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. As we start to wrap this up, last kind of question here. If you had one or two things that, you know, if the listeners were to implement today would help move their life forward today, what would that be? I know that there's something in everyone's mind that they wish they could change. And it may be something that's a change in their family or change in their business or change in their community, or it may be something that they want to change in their life. My suggestion is that you do something today to validate that sense of change. And it may be that you just need to take a piece of paper and write down the thing that you want to change. And if you want to take that step, you could actually ask a couple of questions. You can say, what is it that led me to feeling this change needs to take place? And two, if I was to make this change, what is the result that I want to see from that? So, and I think if your audience would 
do that today. Just decide this is the change I need to make, or this is the change I want to help create sometime in the future. But they would write that down and make a commitment to do that. Then they would be um, much happier and have a greater sense of purpose and a greater sense of the value of their life going forward. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. What are a few ways that the listeners can follow you, find out more about what you're up to and what you're doing? And I know you're, you, like you say, you don't deal with boredom well. So if you have time on your hands, you're, you're writing books and, and putting some content. And I'm, talk, I'm talking to people all the time. Um, there are two places that people find me. They can find me at my website, which is edbrenegar.com, E-D-B-R-E-N-E-G-A-R.com. And, and I, in the last month, I have started a Substack column kind of shifted from my weblog on my site to the Substack thing. I think it opens me up to a broader audience. And I'm, and that is called The Future of Leadership with Ed Brenniger. So I think so far I've published 12 articles in the last maybe three weeks. So I'm, I'm writing about the two global forces right now. It can be a subscription thing. It's going to be when the audience gets large enough, I'll, I'll sure. start doing some subscription stuff. Okay. And so that's edbrenniger.substack.com. Okay. Yeah, we'll get those linked up for everybody listening as well. And I uh, appreciate you being here, Ed. This is a great conversation. Thank you. My pleasure. Appreciate it. Best to all you. Let's go. Let's go. In 05 and 06, I deployed to Kuwait. I used to wait every day for them to say, nature going home. I missed my life, missed my wife. For 15 months, she was all alone. But when I got back, I felt out of control Feeling entitled, I put my life on hold I keep on drinking, so I'm sinking in a river of liquor Me and my wife weren't alright, I didn't reconnect with her I had a business, insurance agent, and rental properties But is there something bigger than this? I know there's gotta be, so I invested in myself I started seeing coaches Life is a camera, I fixed the lens and now I see in focus Now my life's unrecognizable From my life just a couple years ago 17 plus years Years of marriage has never been better than this And we got three kids, that's who I do it for I'm gonna be a leader, I'ma lead the way Cause I'm a firm 